Hello and welcome to another edition of 41 Files. I'm Taylor Hemnes from 41 Action News Today, joined as always by digital producer Sam Hartle. Hi, Sam. Good morning. Have you seen the weather forecasts for, for next week? They have I, Lindsay Anderson concern. Uh, she was talking to us extensively about it this morning. Um, that is, her forecast as of yesterday is the reason I played golf yesterday, because I knew our, our chances are dwindling. And the way she's been talking about it, the rain will move in uh, and storms will move in this weekend and be a thing for quite a while. She's talking about six to eight inches of rain possible over the next seven days in the Kansas City area. The other benefit of that is by moving up your tee time, you can also watch the PGA Championship this weekend. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You've got my, my plan figured out. Hey, also, happy birthday to 41 Files. Yeah, so uh, last Saturday, May 12th, uh, we celebrated our one-year anniversary. Uh, for, thank you for those of us who have been along the, the journey. Um, it's been really fun, certainly on, the, on, the, on our side. Uh, but I know that uh, for those who have been uh, listening to us for the past year, uh, we've experimented, tried different things. That experimentation will continue. Um, it's been lots of fun, uh, and, and it's really kind of a cool, cool project that uh, that we've been doing here, and and uh, and looking forward to uh, continu- continuing that in year two. So, one of the big stories that we were following when these podcasts started, when Forty One Files started, was Governor Eric Greitens. Whenever he was um, in the midst of his legal issues and before he left office in Missouri, and now one year later, we are still in Jefferson City. Mm-hmm. What we're following today, and here's we're going to kind of let you behind behind the curtain a little bit with what the uh, podcast is going to look like as we're recording. This. It's 11 o'clock in the morning on Friday, and the Missouri State House has now a little bit less than seven hours left until that session has to end. And they are debating right now um, an abortion bill that the state Senate has already passed. They passed that earlier this week, and now the House is set to debate on that. And we are expecting, all of our indications are, that the House will pass that today, but obviously that has not happened yet. Right now, 41 Action News reporter Stephen Dial is there. He's at the Capitol, staying in tune with all this debate, watching what's going on. Um, And so we're recording this in the morning, this portion with me. Later this afternoon, no matter what happens, sometime between now and 6 o'clock, we're going to have a decision on what the House is going to do. When that happens, Stephen is going to call in and speak to Sam later on and record it later on. So what you're about to hear is the, is the conversation that's going to happen once that decision is made, when Stephen Dial calls into 41 Action News later this afternoon, whatever time that may be between now and 6 o'clock tonight, uh, to discuss what the state house in Missouri decided to vote on and if they're going to send that very controversial abortion bill to the governor's desk to sign. Hey, thanks, Taylor. I'm joined on the phone by 41 Action News reporter Stephen Dial. Stephen, you're in the heart of Missouri. Definitely. Uh, it's a place that was all too familiar to me last year with all the great drama, and now we're back for a different type of drama. Right. So uh, you've been in Jeff City basically for the past 34, 36 hours. Uh, and so obviously talking about the uh, the abortion bill, the bill that would ban um, abortions in Missouri uh, anytime after uh, eight weeks of pregnancy. On uh, Wednesday morning, uh, it was either late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning, the Senate passed their version of the bill. We thought that the House might get their job done yesterday. They needed some extra time, apparently, uh, and so that was for the uh, the reason for Stephen's overnight stay. But uh, around noon on Friday, uh, just a couple hours ago, the House voted 110 to 44 to approve the legislation, which now goes to Governor Mike Parson's desk. We think he's probably going to sign that. Uh, Stephen, before we kind of get into uh, the nuts and bolts of of the politics of this, uh, walk us through what's actually in the bill. Yeah, 
So what the bill does, and a lot of people um, were kind of, some of them, confusing it with the Alabama bill. The Alabama bill is the most restrictive bill that ever passed and signed into law in the country. That would basically virtually eliminate any chance of an abortion at any stage of a pregnancy. In Missouri, it's a bit different, but a lot of people who are against it, uh, the pro-choice supporters, are saying that it's still very restrictive. So the Missouri bill, the best bulk of it, is that it will ban any abortion at eight weeks. Now, some people have been referring to it as a heartbeat bill, which lawmakers technically still call it that, and this is why. Um, they say that doctors can detect a heartbeat at a readily, rapid, fluent, frequent pace, at eight weeks of pregnancy for the woman. Um, but doctors have said that a heartbeat can be detected as early as five and a half weeks, six weeks, and seven weeks. I talked to some women uh, this week who told me when I asked them, you know, when did you know that you could hear the heartbeat of your child? Um, and uh, one woman told me as early as five and a half weeks uh, for her in her pregnancy. So that's what the bill would do. It would make no exception for rape, it would make you no exception for incest. The only exception is if uh, the mother's life is in danger. That is the only way that an abortion can happen um, in Missouri. And there are also no exceptions for if you find out the sex of the child, the race of the child, those types of things, or if the child has a uh, will, uh, is predicted to have a developmental disability. Uh, no exceptions for any of those things. The only exception is for if the life of the mother is in the balance. So this, so far in 2019, several states have been aggressive in passing uh, more restrictive abortion laws. Missouri is just the most recent state to do so. Earlier this week, and you kind of made a, re- a mention of it just a second ago, was the legislation passed down in Alabama. The legislators there, at least a handful of them, said that that their legislation um, was a clear attempt to eventually get their law in front of the Supreme Court with an idea of uh, of challenging Roe versus Wade. Legislators in Missouri are approaching it a little bit differently. I think one of the ones that you had talked to today said, you know, regardless of if, of this has any impact uh, on the Roe versus Wade, it, it's still going to have an impact um, that they would describe as positive here in Missouri. What have you heard from other proponents and other supporters of the uh, uh, and opponents of the legislation? So every Republican that spoke publicly today and every Republican that I have interviewed since being in Jefferson City has said this bill, when it was brought up at the beginning of the session, had nothing to do with an attempt to overturn Roe versus Wade. Everyone that I've spoken to who is on the side that voted for this has told me that they wholeheartedly believe that this will save more lives uh, as far as unborn lives, babies' lives. Um, we looked at state data. The latest information from the state was in 2017. 2017, more than 3,700 women had an abortion at week 10, I mean, week 9. This bill would ban it at week 8. And so a lot of people believe that will save doubt. A lot of people who voted for it believe this will save thousands of lives. Those against it say everyone knows what the other side is doing. They say that it's a coordinated strategy by conservative states to just stack the chips, in their words, stack the chips to try to force the Supreme Court to revisit Roe versus Wade. And so, of course, different sides, different opinions, but Republicans, everyone that I spoke with on the Republican side that voted for this bill said, even if 
Roe versus Wade was not overturned, they would have still voted for this because they believe that it can potentially save thousands of lives. All this has happened just in 2019. What's the reason that it's all happening right now? Well, I mean, you will see, especially in states like Missouri and Kansas that we cover, um, every year uh, these conservative legislatures have been passing bills that make uh, more restrictions um, on there's so much focus conservative states have been doing for years. And now that there's so much focus on the pro-life or pro-choice communities, um, it just it's finally coming to a head where states are getting more aggressive and more, uh, in some people's opinions, more like brazen with the proposals that are, are being put forth. And so this year, as you can see in Georgia, they, they basically did like a six-week fetal heartbeat bill. Mississippi, Alabama, everyone knows what they did. Missouri jumping in with an eight-week. So a lot of people say this is a coordinated effort uh, to try to push the Supreme Court hands have to revisit Roe versus Wade. So now there's lots of drama today uh, during the discussion. I think the vote the vote outcome was, was probably foregone ahead of time, um, but that didn't mean there was no drama. Uh, walk us through what happened uh, as, the, as legislators uh, deliberated on the bill this afternoon. Right. Anyone who knows Missouri politics, especially Missouri politics in 2019, anyone who walked into the House chamber today knew that regardless of the drama, regardless of anything, the vote was going to pass, and the vote was probably going to pass overwhelming, and it passed basically along party lines. But what I think a lot of people did not expect was for the, the sure emotion on both sides from people telling personal stories. I mean, you had one Democratic representative who talked about her being raped, and she said she was fortunate to not be pregnant from that rape, but telling very emotional stories. One uh, Republican from the Lake of the Ozark talking about he uh, basically uh, approved and um, encouraged a woman that he was involved with more than 30 years ago to get an abortion, and he says that he now regrets that. He says that he's happy that science uh, shows more information in his opinion as to uh, that, that fetus does have heartbeat. And so, you know, he was urging people to definitely support the bill, which, like I said, ultimately passed. So there are so many passionate stories from people on both sides. I mean, emotions ran high. I think, you know, nothing was left off the table because uh, for the Democrat side, they knew they were going to lose this battle, but they definitely wanted their voices heard. And then, you know, more protesters showed up today because people knew that this was the final day. So this was do or die. It, it was either going to pass or not. And so more protesters were there, protesters chanting multiple times. I was a bit shocked that the speaker gave them, let's say, three and a half times, three and a half warnings before uh, basically invoking, you know, the orders of the House and having them removed uh, from interrupting. And some of them were already uh, knowing that they were going to get kicked out, so walking out by chanting. And then they stood outside the door of the house chanting until uh, everything was all set and done and passed. All right, so we're taping this right around 3 o'clock on Friday. Uh, Governor Parson uh, just alerted the media. He's planning to have a press conference at 4.30, so in about 90 minutes, to discuss uh, the legislative recap, all the, the wins, and uh, kind of his view on how the legislative session went. Do we think that he's going to sign this bill there, or what do we know about when he might be expected to sign the bill? 
So I think the governor wants a, a little bit more pomp and circumstance as to the bill signing itself. I don't think he wants to uh, combine a bill signing with him uh, highlighting other uh, wins in his uh, in his party uh, wins that uh, happened in the legislative session this year. So uh, of course the governor will be asked about it. Of course the governor has already said on Wednesday that he supports it. The governor has already said that he will sign it. Um, you know, some people now that it's in the national spotlight may ask him, you know, more questions about did he feel any pressure of this? Governor Party is going to say no. He's going to say, you know, he's been pro-life forever. And these were his stances. And so uh, do I think the signing will happen today? I don't think so, just because I think he wants to make sure he has the right backdrop and the right um, people around him, because I am told at the press conference that will happen today, um, you know, there will be department heads from other agencies and I think he wants to let them have that shine today, and uh, I could probably see a bill signing next Monday or Tuesday. So there's uh, more to this story, and Stephen, and uh, our 41 Action News team will be there. Stephen, I know that you're on TV here in about 50 minutes. I'll let you get back to it and appreciate the update. Thanks, man. Thanks, Stephen. So another topic today on 41 Files is another update for you. Uh, not too long ago, we released a podcast here on 41 Files about addiction. And so far, that has been one of our most downloaded podcasts. And we can't thank you enough, one, for listening, obviously, but two, for choosing to listen to that topic. It's such an important conversation that we were really privileged to be able to have with some people here in our 41 Files podcast studio. We had, if you haven't listened to that podcast yet, I, I highly encourage you to go and do so. Uh, but we had a young man here named Henry who's 23 years old, has been battling drug addiction since he was 14. His mother, Kathy, was here with us, and a man named Kevin O'Grady who runs the Midwest Recovery Center here in Kansas City uh, all joined us here in the podcast studio to talk about that. And they were, they were brought after that podcast aired. It has since aired on 41 Action News about uh, addiction itself. She talked to Henry, and then she also talked to a couple of other people there at the recovery center dealing with uh, drug addiction, dealing with alcoholism, um, just an incredible insight into what that looks like. And there's there's so many families that are lucky enough to not have this touch them, but for those so many families that, that deal with this on a regular basis, it's incredible to be able to see what they go through. Now, Sam Hartle, you actually uh, spent some time in what we're about to hear here uh, talking with Krista because after that story aired on 41 Action News, she heard from more of the people that she featured in it and some more of the families about what it's been like since we actually got to see them on television. Yeah, we spoke on Wednesday morning, which was two days after her story aired, mm-hmm. uh, and a week after uh, we had we released the podcast, actually two weeks after we had taped it. Uh, and for those who watched uh, the broadcast version, um, there were a couple of additional people that, that you met um, outside of uh, what we recorded on the podcast, uh, Taylor and then a gentleman Mac. named Mac. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, Krista and I spent some time Wednesday morning um, following up, and uh, I wanted to kind of hear what the families that we profiled had said uh, since our story ran, and, and I thought we had a pretty good discussion. So that's the conversation you're about to hear right now. Take a listen. Hey, thanks, Taylor. I'm joined in the 41 Pod studio with uh, Krista Dubill. It's Wednesday, I don't know, May 15th. Wednesday, May 15th. Krista, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Last week, we uh, brought to you uh, an incredible interview with uh, Henry, his mother Kathy, and Kevin O'Grady with Midwest Recovery Centers. Um, If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, it's uh, uh, previously in the feed. Uh, That story aired, Krista, Monday night, Mm -hmm. um, and then also on Tuesday morning. 
And I wanted to revisit, there was a lot of interest in that story, both uh, in terms of the number of people who downloaded that episode for the podcast, uh, and then also uh, the people who clicked on the web story. Um, your web or your broadcast story touched on a couple of additional people, uh, Mac and Taylor, mm-hmm. but I wanted to take a few minutes today to get an update uh, from how all three are doing. So I talked that night, the story was airing, Kathy's mom texted to say, and I wanted to actually just read you the text that she sent that night. She said, I talked to Henry yesterday and he sounded so awesome, really, really good. He likes it out where he is, sounded so happy, made me... Uh, so happy to hear. I'm excited to see your story. Thank you so much for all of it. I'm so grateful. So she, so he went out to a different facility that has a lot more options. So, you know, each uh, recovery facility has different things they can offer. And the one he's at now has lots of other things. Sometimes it's outdoorsy or it's more. So whatever connects with his insides is what he has the opportunity to explore what might be the thing that helps pull him out of it. So she thinks he's having success out there. Talked to Mac yesterday. Uh, he's home now. He's gotten through the steps and is able to go home now for phase two and says that he's still clean. And I got an update on Taylor that said he's moving ahead nicely. And he's actually now, if you remember, phase one is the 90-day completely immersed. Anybody coming into the program has to give up everything and just focus for 90 days in the house. And he's now helping as a facilitator and one of the staff uh, to try to help the the new people coming in in phase one and that for phase one house. I was kind of monitoring social media. Uh, we were pretty aggressive on the story in terms of the rollout. Um, and I thought we had some pretty good discussion. There was a post where we talked about uh, um, Henry and, and ha- kind of how he started with marijuana, but then progressed to more serious drugs and, and how that kind of led to the problem that he's in. Um, but on balance, I think people appreciated the depth of our reporting. What kind of feedback have you heard from viewers uh, and people? I know that you shared the story uh, in this episode last week on your Facebook page. What kind of feedback have you got? I'm a lot of feedback. I feel uh, – I don't know if I should say – so I feel like my Facebook page, it's kind of this – network of people with all the same sort of outlook on life. Everybody's kind of positive and supportive and understanding because I've had, you know, 10 or 15 years to build this network of people who I feel like I'm pretty connected with in the city. And I think on the 41 page, it's such a much broader group of people with varying degrees of mm-hmm. political views and stances. And so it was interesting to me because on my page, people came out in droves in support of Henry. And these and the first post was about Henry encouraging. I've been there. We have family. It was this community sort of support system for him and anybody else. It's If you just talk about my page, thousands of people with support. I had uh, people direct message me questions for Kevin O'Grady. We've gotten multiple. Some of them haven't been posted publicly because they were a little more private mm-hmm. about it. I've had phone calls. I've had emails, um, uh, tweets, uh, direct messages on Twitter. Um, and then... I've had people that are currently in their road to recovery um, who have reached out, and one of them being the mother of Henry's baby, the, mm. her, his oh, girlfriend. Wow. And she has kind of opened herself up. And, you know, I talked about how this story started with a drive through encounter with a young man in Freddy's drive through that led me to Kevin O'Grady, that led me to meet Henry and Kathy. Now I've heard from her. Her name is Kaylee. And in her, this this beautifully written message she's writing me about, kind of her life story and everything she's been through, and it's just heartbreaking to read that a young woman has been through some of the stuff she's been through, she mentions to me, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I've, I'm clean five months, I've never been happier, 
I really hope to get my daughter back. And I'm about to move into this place called Amethyst Place. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I've worked with Amethyst Place for 10 years. And I called the executive director and I'm like, hey, what do you know about Kaylee? She's on a wait list for you. So this is just continuing to evolve. And you just never know where these stories will take you. Well, I think you and I had talked about when I was putting together the web story uh, and, and my takeaway from the podcast episode of, you know, despite the fact that, that we talked a lot about despair and, and, and how, you know, the road to recovery, you're going you're gonna to fall off that path so many times. Um, but my takeaway from this whole project is that there's optimism, that there's hope, and, and there's an army of support that each one of these people have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so my, my hope of, of, our, of our coverage was to provide that, to mm-hmm. get people talking about it. Sure. Um, but ultimately, if we're going to move the ball forward on, on getting people who need help, help, we've got to be able to talk about it. Yeah. And that's ultimately what Henry said last week was that's what they all want is help, but mm-hmm. they are afraid for whatever reason to ask for it. And if we can reduce the stigma for them to asking for help. The other thing that's come up and most that I've heard from who are either in their process of getting um, clean or who have gotten clean, they all say that one of the things they're suspicious or their theory of what might be wrong is that not enough of us are taking time to talk to each other. There's not genuine connection. There's not trust and honesty. There's not a feeling like you can share the real you. And, And so for me... Um, the reason that resonates with me is because it's something I'm, I've already watched and been concerned about in our world as e- everything evolves and social media becomes more and more popular. And so um, I know you and I have worked together long enough. You and I are pretty naturally like, let's talk. Let's Anybody you meet, you're ready to hear their story. And I think, I think sometimes that is the direction I'd like to go. And I tend to try to keep it very, very positive because I just feel like there's enough negativity in the world. Let's focus on the good in in everyone as much as we can. So what's next? Obviously, we'll keep tabs on on the three. Yep. We'll keep tabs on them. Um, the Midwest Recovery Center also is in the process of um, opening up a, a program for girls and women. And so, so right they, now it's only for men. Only for men. They started with that. They have the phase one house and the phase two house. They just bought a house for, for the women's program, the young women's program. And so they're in the process of doing that. I hadn't even really talked to them about this yet, but like I hope to maybe kind of follow a little bit about that process and maybe talk to some of the girls or the young women who come in as that a that initial group that that maybe comes into the home there because it's not just men it's not just women um, addiction isn't going away um, so the my favorite way to have things happen and it's almost all the stories I do they just kind of we'll just see where it goes it's just very organic I'm not sure uh, what that next phase will be but I know them opening the program for women uh, intrigues me and I'm interested in that process and so I thought maybe there's something there and then obviously Kaylee the mom of Henry's baby um, I'm very intrigued by her story and maybe I'm hoping to see about following her processes as she gets to move into Amethyst Place which is a place that helps women in recovery get custody of their children back and learn to be strong women and learn to be you know balanced life and they even have a program where they teach them how to just be good friends because so many of these kids have gone through situations where they don't even know how to sit down and have a coffee with a group of girlfriends. Krista, thank you for your reporting. Thank you for having me.